0: The following podcast is a DR Media production. Hello, everybody. This is Helen Johannesson. I'm your host. I'm the owner of Helen's Wines, a little boutique wine shop in Los Angeles. It's a gem box. I guess I would never call it a boutique. I don't even know why I just did that, but it's a gem box. It's located inside of a restaurant called John and Vinny's. It's a whole operation. I own it together with my partners, John, Chuck, Vinny, Detolo. It's bomb.com. We have two locations, but this is Wine Face. It's my podcast that's exploring the ins and outs, the snackable little tidbits, everything you wanted to know about wine, everything you needed to know about wine, or you know maybe just some basic info for those water cooler moments. Or how about the fact that it's so complicated? We're just going to get basic with the 411. I'm sort of in this mode right now of back to basics, but helenswines.com if you want more info on who we are and what we do, or you can follow me at helenswines on Instagram, Anytime, anywhere, any location. You know, I was realizing we've never really talked about California and California wine. And wine in America is actually so much more of a prevalent agricultural product than people realize. And it's not really talked about that much. Like the first AVA, which is the American Viticultural area. It was actually in Missouri, which most people are like, say, what? Missouri, skirt, skirt. They make wine, but they still make wine. They make wine in Virginia. They make wine all over the goddamn place. They were making wine in like 48 states. Okay. Don't quote me on that. I did not Google it, but it's more states than not have more than half the states in this union grow wine and make wine. And it's not just grapes, the red or the green. It's not just the red or the green grapes that you just eat. It is actual wine. California is run by the AVA. And when you say AVA, that's the American Viticultural Areas. And now in France, you have the AOC, right? The Appellation Origin Controlli. And then you have the DOCG in Italy. And then you have the DO in Spain. So every country has their own set of wine laws. So in America, it's the AVA. And this is determined and ruled by the Bureau for Tobacco and Firearms. I don't know. It's ruled by some bureau in Washington that regulates all this shit. But the AVA's are designated grape growing areas. And what's crazy is, you know, you think Europe is complicated, And the only reason people think California wine isn't complicated is because the grape varietal is actually on the label sometimes. But I got to tell you, there's like an AVA within an AVA within an AVA. It's like meta, meta, meta. No, it's like, okay, we're in one area within an area. It's a Russian doll. So for me, it's not as intuitive necessarily. There's so many sub regions within our magical regions of AVAs within California, but Let's just hold on one second. California, been making wine since the 1700s. Back in the day, California was technically part of Mexico. So most Americans were drinking wine from Missouri and New York, and they were way ahead of the game. They were making wine, planting wine. I guess people love to drink wine. I don't know. Why why is this a surprise? It's not. (laughs) But back in the day, it was all about like Mission Grapes, the Mission grape, Zinfandel, Petit Syrah. It was all about blends. Like there wasn't, way back in the day, it was not about a single grape or a single varietal. It, people were blending, it was Mission, it was like random shit coming over from Hungary. There were tons of European varietals. All the clippings were getting brought in. So it was a really interesting time way back in the day before sort of the Cabernet Revolution, I would say. People got word, you know, post Gold Rush, during the Gold Rush. This isn't a history podcast, but it was a warm climate. There was great soil and it was cheap. And one of the reasons, in my opinion, that Sonoma and Napa were really founded first is because they do have evidence of very heavy volcanic soil. And as we know, volcanic soil is crucial in planting certain grape varietals or making bomb.com wine. So Let's break down the regions into sort of, there's the, you could break them down into bigger chunks. So if you're thinking about California from the north, we're roughly going Northern California south, you have one big region that's called the North Coast, and this is an AVA. So it's an American viticultural area. It's the North Coast. Probably though, you better know the North Coast for some of its more famous AVAs, which are Napa, Russian River, Carneros, Howell Mountain, Mendocino, Sonoma. So all of these are Sub-AVAs within the AVA of the North Coast. So it's like, first you got North Coast, which most people, you know, if you have like a really famous Napa Valley producer, they're not necessarily gonna put North Coast and also Napa Valley. America rolls a little bit differently than other European areas, is they just focus on the specific AVA where the wine is from, if that is where 75% or more of the grapes are from. Napa, obviously, is very famous because of the advent of Cabernet Sauvignon and the prevalence of it being planted in this state of California. And now, all of that, all of the planting of Cabernet, you know, back in the day, it wasn't like that. There wasn't just like natural Cabernet growing, like, yay, we love it. And I'm not trying to knock Cabernet Sauvignon, I'm just trying to lay a little context of why there is so much beloved. Like, I like a Napa cab. Basically, the prevalence of Bordeaux wine and the love for Bordeaux wine and the declaration of the 1855 first growth, second growth, third growth, the gross in Bordeaux, that those varietals, Cabernet Sauvignon, specifically the left bank in Bordeaux, which is Cabernet Sauvignon dominant, that those were given such a mighty value. People really saw Cabernet Sauvignon as a gateway to not only higher value, but also to express the dope-ass terroir or soil structure that they would be sitting on. Now, does that mean that in California, places where Cabernet was planted was a perfect identity match for the soil type. I don't know. I'm hypothesizing. I'm using the scientific method right now, (laughs) not for this entire California podcast, but just for this thought experiment. Because the idea that California could potentially have been something that's more like Sicily, let's say. Like Sicily, they don't plant Cabernet Sauvignon just because Bordeaux was doing gangbusters. Sicily has indigenous varietals to Sicily. What leads me to believe why the trends have sort of gravitated more towards a European ideology is because we are the new world. It was the gold rush and people wanted to capitalize on what the consciousness of humanity already knew was dope. And for the most part, that was Bordeaux and Burgundy, which are all European countries. Anyway, so there's the North Coast. I extrapolate. There's the North Coast, which is like a big sort of chunk in the Northwestern California. It has all those famous areas. Then there's the Inland Is another big area. There's also Sierra foothills, which has an area called El Dorado, which is awesome. And then below that you have the central coast slash Santa Cruz mountains. The Central Coast, much like the North Coast, is also a really famous area for its overall area, like I'm the Central Coast, and also for the sub-AVAs within it. So Santa Maria, Santa Rita Hills, Paso Robles, Santa Cruz Mountains, places like this are all found within the sub-AVA of the Central Coast slash Santa Cruz Mountains. But again, you might have a Pinot Noir from Santa Rita Hills, and it doesn't necessarily say that this is a Central Coast. Pinot Noir, it's really going to highlight the Santa Rita Hills. And why is that? It's really similar to the concept. That the Europeans really hearken their AOC or their DOC or their DO classification by is a special specification for a specific area. So, Santa Rita Hills, for example, is considered wildly amazing for planting certain grape varietals because it has a crazy microclimate and it has some really amazing terroir and soil structure. And by microclimate, I mean that it's cool at night and can be warm in the day and it has a really nice diurnal shift. I mean, meteorologist Helen Johannesson stepping up to bat for your central coast Santa Cruz mountains needs. Anyway, so that's another area. And then there's Southern California, which, listen, I live in Southern California and I do not go to any of the AVAs in Southern California, but uh, you know, you hear about Temecula, you got Malibu, there's more than that, but I'm just not necessarily going to go into those. And then there's sort of what's called other California. It's areas that I have not really bought wine from, but It's other. Every good wine growing state needs an other, right? So, within each of these massive AVAs are all of these sub zones. And I think once you start thinking about, you know, people are like, how do I understand California and California wine? And I've been really thinking about how to do a series of podcasts about California wine because there really aren't as many rules defined as there are in an area like France or Italy. And so, to me, it makes sense to be like, okay, what are the bigger zones? and what are the sub zones within there? And then what's really hard is back in the day, I think you could say that the North coast where Napa, Carneros, Howell Mountain, all those AVAs are, were most famous for planting Cabernet Sauvignon, right? And potentially some Zinfandel and also some Chardonnay. These were, hey, this is the grapes we're planting. We're here, hear us roar. But then the central coast was more famous for Pinot Noir, also Chardonnay and some Syrah. I think Syrah really was stepping out into this zone. But nowadays what you see happening is there's so many more varietals that are really interesting that are being either exposed or cultivated within these larger AVAs and giving new meaning to some of these areas for instance, vineyards of old vine Sauvignon, which is a white grape varietal from the Jura in France. And its expression in California is absolutely amazing and delicious. The appetite for diversity is increasing. The other thing to take into account is that with the advent of global warming and climate change, and this is not a political podcast, but the reality is here's what's going to happen with Cabernet. And here's one of my personal stigmas with it. I don't hate Cabernet, but what I do not like is when Cabernet is overly ripe, when it's phenolic ripeness is the sugar index is so high that when you put it through the vinification process and it converts to alcohol, because there's so much sugar in the grape, it will automatically convert into a higher alcohol wine. And suddenly stomaching of 15%, 16% alcohol wine is just not exactly what I want to drink. It's not my expression of joy. As temperature rises, as water becomes more scarce, but more importantly, as temperature rises, you know, one would have to think for a grape like Cabernet Sauvignon, which has the potential to ripen to a very high level of sugar. It could potentially be that the grape will ripen to a high level, almost to the point of burning on the outside and being raw in the middle. It's not going to be fully baked, so to speak. And that I think is what every winemaker, whether you're in Europe or you're here, everyone's looking for the fully baked challenge. So what does it mean? Uh, There's a lot of winemakers who are very famous for making Cabernet Sauvignon. And I want to talk about it because it's not that I buy a lot of Cabernet. I don't really buy a lot of it at all in the shops. But it is one of the most asked about, most prevalent wines that people request specifically in Helens and Brentwood. And so I think better understanding the history of why that is the dominant grape varietal within the conversation around California wine is super crucial. But there's a lot of really well-known California Cabernet famous winemakers who are planting small little sections of other grape varietals because they know that at a certain point, growing Cabernet Sauvignon might be unsustainable. And that's why I'm really looking at winemakers who are championing, doesn't have to be different grape varietals. There's people making beautiful Pinot Noir near San Luis Obispo, like in the Edna Valley, Lady of the Sunshine. She's amazing. That Pinot Noir is so Burgundian. It's unfiltered, unfined. It's absolutely magnificent. And Pinot Noir is a really classic grape, but I think there are people who are really thinking about what are the elevations of my vineyards and what's the terroir, what's the soil type, and how do I match those two things? Because really what we're getting back to is elemental farming based on the elements and the resources that are given. Okay. So California 411 is think about California in these larger sections of geography And unfortunately, I can't give you a roadmap to what varietals you can find there now because the most exciting thing about California wine, the new California, as Jean Benet titled his book, it's a great book, recommend reading it, is that there is so much difference and diversity happening that the landscape, I hope, will continuously be changing and that California wine won't just be defined by one thing, something that can compete with Bordeaux or Burgundy, but it can be more than that. And I think one thing that we hope to move away from is that if it's not some crazy Cabernet Sauvignon from Napa, that, well, then it's a piece of shit. There's beautiful wine everywhere. Anyway, California Big chunk AVA's 101. This is Wine Face. I'm Helen Henson, your host. Listen, I love food and wine. Maybe you love food and wine. You want to just impress your friends. But today was a toe dip. It was a snackable section about what the hell is happening in California 411 on the basic note of, how do I think about the AVA system in California? Break, break, breaking it down. For more information, go to helenswines.com or follow me on Instagram at helenswines. Wines. We're out. Thank you.